Good morning, everyone. Friends, uh, we're celebrating what is now known as the Solemnity of the Most Holy Body and Blood of Christ. Uh, was called Corpus Christi, and it still is uh, in some places. And my friends, uh, so uh, our first reading, uh, Melchizedek is a priest-king uh, of great mystery because he appears suddenly. And we're told that he brings the gifts of bread and wine, and he calls a blessing on Abram. So the, uh, there's honor given to God, but the bread and wine uh, will be given to Abram as a blessing. And... Um, upon him, or grace to be poured into him. In our Christian tradition, that bread and wine were taken to prefigure the Eucharist, which we give Jesus Christ glory to the Father. The Eucharist gives you blessing, meaning it gives you grace. You see how that is. And um, our second reading, we hear Paul. And Paul has one of the most earliest accounts uh, written uh, regarding these words of Christ. And when we celebrate the Eucharist, we do not merely make Christ present, but reenact the death by which he saved us. As Paul said, it is a memorial we remember. And uh, uh, the gospel, Jesus provides an extraordinary meal uh, for those who followed him into the desert. And in the Eucharist, my friends, the church continues this mission of Jesus, of teaching, as he taught on that mountain, Healing, we were told he healed before this, and of nourishing God's people. So my friends, on this occasion of this solemnity, um, I've chosen to move away from uh, something that I normally do and stick to the scriptures only and speak about them and expound about them. Uh, in this case, uh, I'd like to talk about this solemnity so that our members understand and know. So this solemnity originated in Belgium in the 13th century uh, by a nun, St. Juliana, and the details of the solemnity was given to her in a vision by our Lord, asking for this solemnity of the celebration of his body and blood. Today's celebration is an expression of our faith and belief in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament. My homily is primarily going to be drawn from the writings of a person from our Catholic past, his name is Justin, and Justin died a martyr in Rome in the year 165 A.D. Note, 165 A.D. He is the most commonly known uh, by his name as St. Justin Martyr or St. Justin the Martyr. Um, and my friends, uh, he wrote a description of the celebration of wheat know as Mass, and uh, I want to share what he wrote with you uh, because it's very moving to me as a priest and it's very telling about the very early days of the church. And uh, uh, he, uh, having died a martyr in 165a, he was very close to the era of Christ when he walked on the earth and of the original apostles. And this is what he wrote. On Sunday... We have a common assembly of all of our members. The recollections of the apostles or the writings of the prophets are read. Remember, they didn't have a Bible then. Remember, you guys, they had the Torah, the Old Testament, but not the Bible. Uh, the first, Mark is the one who writes first, and that's about 65 A.D. So that's why St. Justin Martyr is saying it the way he is. The recollections of the apostles. By memory, most, and the beginning writings. 
or the writings of the prophets, he's talking about the Old Testament Torah, are read. When the reader has finished, the presider of the assembly speaks to us. <laughs> he urges everyone to imitate the examples of virtue we heard in the readings. Then we all stand up together and pray. At the conclusion of our prayer, bread and wine are brought forward. The presider offers prayers and gives thanks to the best of his ability, and the people give their assent by saying, Amen. The Eucharist is distributed. Those present communicate, meaning they receive, and the deacon, note, and the deacons take it to those who are absent. My friends, what's in the time of Justin Martyr, there were no priests like me that I am a. There was only deacons and what we know as bishops. That's why he doesn't refer, he calls, I am a presider. That's what I'm, but uh, there was no priest. It was just bishop and deacon at that time. So the Eucharist, he says, is distributed and those present communicate and the deacons take it to those who are absent, probably because of uh, illness or um, advanced age. The wealthy make a contribution, and they themselves decide the amount. Hmm. The collection is placed in the custody of the presider, not anymore, <laughs> who uses it to help the orphans and widows, and all who for any reason are in distress, whether they are sick, in prison, or away from home. In a word, he takes care of all who are in need. We hold our common assembly on Sunday. Please note what he's saying. On Sunday, because it is the first day of the week, the day on which God put darkness and chaos to flight and created the world, and because on that same day our Savior Jesus Christ rose from the dead. For he was crucified on Friday, and on Sunday he appeared to his apostles and disciples and taught them the things which we have passed on for your consideration. Note what Justin is saying. He did not say Sabbath, because the Sabbath is different for us. He didn't say uh, we come together on Sunday because it is a Sabbath. For Christianity, that's not the same thing. It's different for us. Well, we celebrate the day of the Lord's resurrection, and that's different. Justin goes on to write, No one may share the Eucharist with us unless one believes that what we teach is true, and unless one is washed in the regenerating waters of baptism for the remission of one's sins, and unless one live in accordance with the principles given us by Christ. He went on, we do not consume the Eucharistic bread and wine as if it were ordinary food and drink. For we have been taught that as Jesus Christ our Savior became man of flesh and blood by the power of the Word of God, so also the food that our flesh and blood assimilates for its nourishment becomes the flesh and blood of the incarnate Jesus the Christ by the power of his own words contained in the prayer of thanksgiving. This is St. Justin Martyr, and 
in that very, very first century talking to us about the substantial presence, divinity of Jesus Christ sacramentally present under the species of bread and wine, what we call species under the, uh, the appearance. The apostles, he goes on, in their recollections, which are called the Gospels, here we go, handed down to us what Jesus commanded them to do. They tell us that he took bread, gave thanks, and said, do this in memory of me. This is my body. In the same way he took the cup, he gave thanks and said, this is my blood. Ever since then, we have constantly reminded one another of these things. End of quote. This was St. Justin Martyr's experience. And my friends, as your pastor and priest here, I can with confidence and without any doubt tell you that if St. Justin Martyr were to come in body and visit us here in this church, he would recognize what we are doing. He would recognize this as the holy sacrifice of the Mass, the celebration of the Eucharist. The Catholic Church never has and never will deviate from her sacred tradition. And even though entities from outside the church and from within have tried to destroy and to mar and to change, it will not happen because of Christ's words and his promise. The Eucharist is Christ, body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of consecrated bread and wine, not a symbol or a sign, but greater than both, but truly and substantially Christ, sacramentally, body, blood, soul, and divinity. It is made present during the Mass. The Eucharist is a true sacrifice that makes present the one sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. The effects of the Eucharist increases our union with Christ. It separates us from sin and helps us from future mortal sin. It takes away venial sins. When you receive the Eucharist properly in that state of grace, it has the ability to wipe away the venial sins. It unites us to Christ and his church, meaning each other. And so it is a great sign of unity amongst us. It helps us grow in charity. Most importantly, this is done by Christ because of love. And that you might have life eternal. My friends, what I was doing is quoting the catechism. <laughs> Father Mark didn't make that up. These were quotes from the catechism. Sorry, I should have told you what I was about to do. My friends, I thought it was important for us to hear about those beginning days and to see what we hold today is what they held then. My friends, the Eucharist is Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of bread and wine. It is made present, real, and substantially during the Mass, as I said. The Mass is at the same time and inseparably, the sacrificial memorial in which the sacrifice of the cross is perpetuated and the sacred banquet of communion with the Lord's body and blood is celebrated. But the celebration of the Eucharistic sacrifice is wholly directed toward the intimate union of the faithful with Christ 
through communion. To receive Holy Communion is to receive Christ himself, who offered himself for us. It is by the conversion of the bread and wine into Christ's body and blood that Christ becomes present in this sacrament. The Church Fathers strongly affirm the faith of the Church and the efficacy of the Word of Christ and of the action of the Holy Spirit to bring about this conversion. Thus, it is not man that causes these things offered to become the body and blood of Christ, but he who crucified was crucified for us, Christ himself. The priest, in the role of Christ, pronounces these words, but the power and the grace are God's. Those words transform the things offered. This transformation, the Eucharist, the holy body, blood, of Christ has effects on those properly disposed who receive his body and blood. The effects of the sacrament again. The Eucharist increases our union with Christ. It separates us from sin and keeps us from future mortal sin. It takes away venial sins. It unites us to the church. It helps us to go and care for those in need. And as a as wonderful as those effects are, there is still one more that is greater. Recall our Lord's words from sacred scripture. Take this and eat, all of you. The Lord addresses an imitation to us, urging us to receive him in the sacrament of the Eucharist. Truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you'll have no life in you. John 6. 53. Continuing, Jesus said, I am the living bread come down from heaven. If any of you eats of this bread, he will live forever. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And he went on to say, and I abide in him and I in me. John 6.51, John 6.54, John 6.56. Hence, the Church rightly states, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian life. The other sacraments, and indeed all ecclesiastical ministries and works of the apostolate, are bound up with the Eucharist and are oriented toward it. For it is the blessed Eucharist is contained the whole spiritual good of the Church, namely Christ himself, our Pasch. Finally, by the Eucharistic celebration, we already unite ourselves with the heavenly liturgy and anticipate eternal life when God will be all in all. With all of this in mind and heart, we should then warmly and eagerly embrace the Church's exhortation to prepare for the Eucharist. St. Paul urges us to examine our conscience. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of our Lord, St. Paul. Let a man examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. 1 Corinthians 11, 27-30. Anyone conscious of a grave sin must receive the sacrament of reconciliation before coming to Holy Communion. 
before so great a sacrament. The faithful can only echo humbly and with ardent faith the words of the centurion, Lord, I am now worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. Matthew 8, 8. Furthermore, and I say this with all humility and love, to prepare for worthy reception of the sacrament, the faithful should observe the fast required by Mother Church. Each member should display bodily demeanor, gestures, and clothing that conveys respect and solemnity and joy in the moment when Christ becomes our guest. Catechism 1387. My friends, in all things, Jesus desires, as he said, that my Father receive glory and that you honor my teachings. And Jesus said, my house shall be a house of prayer. I had it written on the very wall of our church to remind us when we enter here, we enter into prayer. This is not a house of hatred or a house of anger or a house of division or derision or untruths, but a house of prayer. You and I must continue to work to keep it that way because many try to make it something other. My friends, uh, as you remember, a few months back, uh, we were finding the Eucharist in the pew, and we did not know who was doing this or why. And, uh, but I called upon each of the members here to help me to stop this. And the way we did that was by consuming the Eucharist immediately in front of the minister, not walking away with it. And I, we have not since then found the Eucharist in the pew any longer. And this is because we worked together. We were united in bringing that to an end. So we give, I thank you for that and give God glory. Friends, on, on this solemnity, um, especially for those who visit our parish, um, there is a tradition at the end of Mass that a procession should happen uh, with the Eucharist and a monstrance. And some folks, uh, some parishes, they, they process in their on their property in the parking lot. Uh, some who live in smaller cities will go into the city. And um, here, uh, I erected the custom, if you will, uh, where I will process around you. So I will walk through the church with the monstrance. Uh, certainly, people follow Jesus. And uh, you got that? Okay. Um, but Jesus also walked in the midst of his people. So um, I'm not breaking any rules. It's just this is the way it's easier for us. And um, sometimes I keep my eye on the monstrance, but from time to time I look down at the people. And I'm always amazed to see people look away or to look down. Do not look away or look down. Look up into the monstrance. Our Lord desires that you look upon him in the sacrament, not away from him. And if you do this because of shame, you come before him. He will take care of that for you. If you are embarrassed, get over it. <laughs> 
but look up into the monstrance. Offer your prayer at that time and glorify the Father for the great gifts given to us.